0: up there. I'm going to try to do this the best that I can. I know I'm not nearly as cute to look at, nor <laughs> as energetic as the kids are, but I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do this the best possible way. So will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you've given us just an amazing week of VBS here where we've learned that no matter what happens we can trust you. And so Lord, now I pray that um, as we read the uh, story from Scripture that it would enlighten us in a way that would um, continue to shape us as the stories have this week. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So this is my very first VBS sermon and I didn't realize it would be like this So now I'm a little bit frazzled, I don't know where to stand. So, so I'll be trying to shift my attention between the two of you, um, but this morning for, for our message there was one more story that I wanted to tell. And um, I'm hoping that you kids can follow along with the story, and I'll be asking you questions as we go. Um, but this, this sermon, in many ways, is even more important for those of you who are sitting on this side of the building, and you'll see why in just a moment. Okay, so all of you, can you look at this picture right here? How many of you, does anybody know who this is, other than his name on the screen? It's Lionel Messi, um, arguably one of the best soccer players of all time, arguably, okay? So some, all right? Now, what happened, though, when he was born, or as he was growing up, he suffered from a lack of growth hormone in his body. And so the doctors told his parents that he wasn't going to be very tall. He wasn't going to be very tall. Probably they thought he's never going to be a professional, any kind of athlete, because these days, you have to be pretty tall to be a professional athlete. And so Lionel Messi, he continued to practice and practice and play soccer because he loved it. And now, 20-some years later, what we find is that it was not impossible for him to become one of the greatest just because he had encountered an obstacle. You know, sometimes in our lives, we think that just because there's a difficulty in front of us or there's an obstacle that we're not going to be able to get past it. Sometimes it seems so insurmountable that we just give up. But what we find in a simple story of this one soccer player is that no matter the obstacle that is in front of you, that anything is possible. So this is where our story begins. Now, it's it's going to be a little bit of reading because there's no better way to tell it than this, but it is a story, and I put it up here so you can follow along with me. It's the story of a boy named Joseph. Jacob, I'm sorry. This is the story of Jacob. The story continues with Joseph, 17 years old at the time, helping out his brothers in herding the flocks. These were his half-brothers, actually, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpha, And Joseph brought his father bad reports on them. So basically, how how many of you have brothers and sisters? Do you have older brothers or younger brothers and sisters? Do they ever do any? Oh, okay. Do do they? Okay. Do they? Okay. 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 Do they ever do anything that's, that's bad and you have to go tell your mom or dad? All the time. All the time. I... <laughs> that was Crystal probably telling on her sister Nicole here. <laughs> but growing up, when our brothers and sisters did something that was bad, what, what, was, what was the one thing we would go do? We would go and tell who? Mom or dad. If they hit you or they did anything mean to you, what do we do? We go and tell mom and dad. So what was happening here is that Joseph... He, he noticed that his brothers weren't doing what they were supposed to. They were being bad. So he comes and he tells his dad. Now Israel, his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age. And he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. In other words, what we've come to understand is that this coat that was made for him was, was probably a coat with many different fancy colors. And, and more than just it being a fancy coat, it was that it was something that was so special, it was a special gift, and it would stand out, and so people would see, wow, that, that son is very well loved. That son is his dad's favorite. So here's what happens, and I'm going to fill in the, rest, the second part of this story. What happens at this point in the story is that Joseph's dad sends him out to go and check on his brothers who had been herding sheep somewhere further away. And so as Joseph went to see what his brothers were doing, Joseph, um, his brothers, they didn't like him very much. Joseph's brothers didn't like him very much because he was their dad's favorite. Now, I don't know what it feels like for your brother and sister to be your parents' favorite because I'm my parents' favorite. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm probably their least favorite. But but in all reality, his brothers, as you know the story goes, his brothers weren't very fond of him. And so as they saw him coming in the distance, his brothers said, his brother said, let's kill him. And one of his brothers, Reuben, says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a ditch. And what he was hoping to do was to come back and rescue him because he doesn't want his brother to die. But instead, one of the other brothers had another idea. They saw some Midianite um, traders coming through, or Ishmaelites rather, and they decided that they would sell him to them. Now, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which was an okay rate. Actually, it was a pretty good rate to sell people, at, like at slaves, into labor at that time. And so the story goes that they took off his coat, they smeared it in animal blood, and they took it back to their dad to show him that he had been attacked by an animal. It's probably not a good story to tell kids, huh? <laughs> uh, but it gets better. So Joseph is traded And he's taken to Egypt. Meanwhile, his brothers thought to themselves, we are done with him. We will never see him again. We never have to be jealous of him being our parents, our dad's favorite. He's done with. It's over with. Their brothers thought that they had gotten rid of Joseph. But what they were actually doing was helping the fulfillment of a dream that he had. And this is part of the dream that we're going to get to here. When his brothers realized that their father loved him, I just skipped over this, that his father loved him more than they, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. But Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream that I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up and your bundles circled around it and bowed down to mine. His brother said, so you're going to rule over us? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way that he talked. So in essence, Joseph says, I had a dream and I will rule over you one day. That's then the part where they said, maybe we should kill him. Because nobody wants someone, your brother or sister to rule over you, but especially you don't want your youngest to rule over you. So here's the point. Sometimes when you think, that you've reached the end of the road. Sometimes it's only really the beginning. Another way to put it is, with every end comes a new beginning. Joseph had been sold into slavery. I don't know about you, but if that had happened to me, I would have just given up. I'm thinking. If I had been thrown in a ditch, I would have, I would have just thought, wow, this is, this is where it all ends. And yet what we find in Scripture time and time again is that sometimes when we reach the end, it's really only the beginning and a time for God to do something wonderful and miraculous. Many of us, when we reach this point, I think we just say, well, this is just the best that it's ever going to be. If any of you have ever experienced something extremely difficult, um, oftentimes we think this is it, this is the worst. And yet what we find is that oftentimes those are the opportunities that God uses for us to do something mighty, and miraculous. So now I'm going to go to the next part of the story. He's been traded to Egypt, and this is where we find the story. As it turned out, God was with Joseph, and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything that he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aide. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian, all because of who? Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned at home and in the fields, and all Potiphar, that was his, sla- uh, his slave master, had to concern himself with, was eating three meals a day. He reaches the end. He gets traded. He's going to be a slave for the rest of his life. He's given up, and then what do we find? Because Joseph is faithful to God. God is faithful to him. And what we find is that God prospers Joseph even in the midst of slavery. Now, obviously, he had a pretty good life, so he was still a servant. He was still there. He was still owned by this master. But yet through that, God still prospers him because he was faithful to God. But as with every good Hollywood story... There's always a conflict. If you know the story, Joseph, um, his master's name was Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife tells her husband, look, you've given everything to me. Everything that you have is mine. This is what she tells her husband. She goes, the only thing that you've not given me access to is Joseph. And so basically she wants to seduce him. I can't get into too many details because we have little ones, and it is church. But at the same time, she tries to seduce him. She grabs him by his by his cloak, right, by his jacket, and, sh- and he runs away. He says, like, I'm not, not going to have any part in this. I'm not going to sin against Potiphar, and I'm not going to sin against God. So he literally just runs out the door. Now her feeling, I guess, like her pride was wounded, she starts yelling and screaming and telling everybody, he tried to seduce me, he tried to come in and force himself, and she says, and now, and he left because I started screaming, okay? So she basically lies about everything that happened because her pride was wounded. And this is where the story goes next. Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation, the head jailer, give Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because God was with him. Whatever he, Joseph, did, God make, made sure that it worked out for the best. Again, Joseph finds himself in a precarious situation. He's thrown into jail innocently. He really didn't do anything. He's being punished because of what had happened that was nothing to do with him. And yet, even in the worst of situations, even with insurmountable, insurmountable obstacles, God still prospers him. Now, there's a lot of stuff we're not reading in between these stories because it goes over three or four chapters. And so, I encourage you to go home and read in Genesis 39, 40, 38, and 37. If you don't have a Bible, take one of the ones that's in the pew in front of you. They're for you to take. But even in the worst circumstances, and I know some of you have faced some pretty difficult circumstances in your life, right? If you haven't, you will. But even in those circumstances, God will be faithful to you and prosper you if you will only do what, kids? What did we learn in a week? If you trust if you God, yeah, if you, if you trust God. If you trust that God can do anything and you are faithful to God, God will prosper you no matter what. So during the time that he was in jail, and there's this passage that if you want to just look at it, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. What we find is that when Joseph was in jail, there was these dreams that the Pharaoh was having, and nobody, nobody could interpret these dreams. And so they remembered that Joseph might be able to interpret these dreams, and he interpreted them, and this is the next part of the story. I know we're reading a lot, but I I couldn't tell it better than this. Then Pharaoh said to his officials, isn't this the man we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, you're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph, I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. And then what is not on there, it says that Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger, slipped it on Joseph's hand. He outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put gold chain around his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal. As he rode, people shouted, Bravo! Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt, and only the pharaoh was above him. A man who was almost in essence left to die in a pit, then sold into slavery, then thrown into jail for a crime he didn't commit, now finds himself leading the entire country of Egypt and he wasn't even Egyptian. God can do anything if God chooses to. Amen? Amen. So if you have found yourself in a place or in, in front of an obstacle, maybe maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's a loss of job. Maybe it's problems in your relationship. Maybe your kids have, have entered into some, some things in life that have become difficult and are maybe destroying them. No matter what the situation is, God can do anything. Oftentimes, it's you and I who don't trust that God can do those things. But what we find in the Bible time and time again is that God can do anything God wants to. God is always at work in your life trying to do the very best for you that is possible. And as the scriptures tell us, that all things work together for, for good for those who love God. Now, the rest of the story, and we're, we're wrapping up here because I realize it's, you know, most of you are probably like, oh, my kids, what are they doing, you know? Um, but what happens is part of the dreams that he helped to interpret that got him out of jail is that there would be seven years of, of plenty. So there would be more harvest than there was places to put it it would be seven years of an abundance of harvest. And those seven years would be followed by seven years of famine. And so Joseph made it so that all of, the, all of the cities in Egypt would be able to store more than enough food, and then they would be able to sell it to other countries and other kingdoms, and they would be able to profit from it. Not only that, their people, the Egyptians, would have everything they needed. And so what happens is every good story comes full circle As Joseph is ruling over Egypt, right, only second to the Pharaoh, his brothers come asking for food. Now, Joseph could have easily just taken revenge on them, and Joseph could have just, you know, had them sent away with no food, but instead he puts food in their satchels. Now, he also plays a practical joke that you have to read. You have to read the story in the Bible because we can't get into it right now. But he also plays some practical jokes, but at the end, because God's goodness towards him, Joseph would also end up being good to his brothers. And the end of the story goes, when his, his brothers don't recognize him, because they had been years and years and years, they didn't recognize him anymore. They actually probably expected him to be dead. And Joseph says this, he says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you, to save your lives. There has been a famine in the land now for two years. The famine will continue for five more years, neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure that there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. So you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He sent me in place as a father to Pharaoh put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me ruler of all Egypt. This is a powerful statement because what he is actually saying is, God paved the way for me to save your lives, which really you deserve to all die. His brothers had literally wanted to kill him, and yet all he sees years later is, I am just here to provide for you and to save you. So I don't know what some of you have gone through or are currently going through in your lives, but the way that I choose to live my life is the way that I see the Bible play out, plays out, and that no matter what the obstacle is in front of me, God can, God will help me to overcome that obstacle because God ultimately has a plan that is being fulfilled, amen? amen. This morning, I wanted to share with you a story from Scripture that no matter what happens, you can trust God. Now, you can go ahead and say it with us, but for you kids, I, I need your help this one last time. This week, we learned that no matter who you are, God. and no matter how you feel, God. and no matter what people do, God. and no matter what happens, God. and no matter where you are, These five simple statements, I think, have more to say to the adults than they do the kids. Because for most of us, it says no matter who you are, most of us would be like, oh, well, I'm not smart enough, or I don't have the education, or I don't have the money, or I don't have the time. For most of us adults, no matter how you feel, sometimes we feel down and depressed or angry, and so we act accordingly. Sometimes when people do things to us, right, instead of saying no matter what people do, trust God, but as adults, sometimes what we do is, well, that person did this, and that person said that, oh, sorry, and that person said that, and this person did this to me, so this is what I'm going to do to them, right? Am, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I preaching here? No matter what happens, sometimes things happen to us. Sometimes we find ourselves in precarious situations, and instead of just trusting God, we go about trying to either get even or to fix the problem or whatever it is, but we're not really trusting God And at the end of it all, it says, no matter who you are. And I think sometimes, even though as kids we're taught to value ourselves and have a high self-esteem, I think as adults and as time goes on, we sometimes seem to have a lower um, um, sense of self-worth. You see, what your kids learned here this week is that no matter what, God can be trusted. And if you can find it in yourself to trust God, you will not be disappointed Okay, because you can't argue with the story of Joseph. I mean, maybe none of you have ever been sold into slavery. Maybe none of you have ever been, uh, you know, somebody's tried to kill you. Maybe none of you have ever been in jail, right? So now your problems don't seem to be as as difficult as Joseph's were. And yet Joseph remained connected and faithful to God. And this morning, I want to just continue to challenge you that, What your kids learned here this morning, that it would become a part of your life and a part of how you choose to continue to teach them that no matter what, as difficult as things may seem, God can be trusted and God will be with you and help you to overcome any obstacle. Before we, before we, you have a word of prayer. Sorry for cutting you off. Uh, can I have uh, Carol Mountain just come up for a second? And uh, I, I just want to, we want to thank her so much. I want to share a, uh, yeah, you can give her a hand. She, uh, I just want to share the story with, with how she. Oh, you can stay up here, Carol, so everyone can keep seeing you. Oh, she. Um, this year, we didn't have anybody to, to lead VBS and to put it together, and so I started talking with her as our children's director, and I said, well, will you help me just kind of plan it a little bit? Just tell me what we need to get done, and I would keep calling her and making an appointments so we could talk more about what needed to take place, and, and, and through the process, it, it kind of fell on her, but it's not that it fell on her. I think um, it was purposed. Um, I think God had a purpose for that. She's had a lot of experience, and I think that you put on just a wonderful VBS. Um, we're thankful for your hard work and your dedication, for the dedication of all of the volunteers. I know it wasn't, it's not an easy thing to do day in and day out to prepare and to clean up, and so we just want to thank you for leading us through this, and we want to thank all of the volunteers um, for, for doing this.
1: You, 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 you can trust God, you can take him at his word.